Yeah, boy. You know what it is. We back, baby. We are back. Episode 10. The Scrap Cave Podcast. A lot of shit went down this past couple days. A lot of shit went down. The biggest thing that went down, motherfucking LA Clippers blew the fuck out of that 3-1 lead. Blew the fuck out of their finals hopes. Blew the mind of their owner, Steve Ballmer, who is fucking sick right now. He's super sick. Kawhi ain't super sick because he has no emotions. Poor George don't care because he about to go hang out with his girl. The rest of them dudes probably don't care either. Lou Williams about to go get his Magic City wings. And my man Montrez Hell just cost himself a whole lot of guap. But we're going to get to that later. Football first week. Very interesting. Fantasy owners. Hope all you guys did well. Ladies as well. I know I did all right. Happy about that. Basketball was great. But we're going to start out with baseball. Why? Because baseball is 11 days away from the playoffs. Now, before I get into the updates of the division, baseball has officially agreed to a bubble-type format for the playoffs, which to me makes complete sense in a way, but in a way that they organize this shit, it's a complete asinine situation. Now, the wild card, or the first round, will be held as per usual. Higher seed will host the series. Everything going to be just as normal as ever. Then, once that happens, for some odd-ass reason, all East Coast teams will go West and play at two sites. And all West Coast teams will go to Texas and play their games over there. Now, my question is, why the fuck... Would you make these guys on the West Coast, leave the West Coast for what? There's no advantage. There's no disadvantage by having them do that, right? So what's the point? Why would you add that additional travel to all these people and incur all these expenses when you can just have these people play in the cities they've been playing in this whole time? So to me, that makes absolutely no sense. But at least they came to a fucking agreement on what the playoffs are going to look like and the fact that they're going to have a bubble, which means that they are going to be limiting the amount of coronavirus outbreak because obviously they can't have delays in the playoffs. So shout out to baseball for at least making some kind of common sense move with that. All right, so here's the rundown. 11 days left to the beginning of the playoffs, end of the regular season. In the AL East, Tampa Bay still holds a three and a half game lead with my Yankees. My Yankees had a rough go of it. But the last three days, you could say, bats have woken up. Two days in a row, we've scored double-digit runs, had over six home runs in each game. Garrett Cole looks normal again. Pitching staff is coming back around. We're getting back some of our players. Stanton's back. Urshela's back. Judge is back. That's exciting. That's exciting for me. But we're still not in first place, which sucks because that means we're going to have an annoying wild card situation. But whatever it is, what it is, we'll play in the first round. We'll be fine, I hope. Toronto, half a game back of us, four games back at Tampa Bay. But Toronto is squarely in the playoffs right now, I believe. In the Central, my dark horse White Sox are doing a damn thing. They're three up on the Minnesota Twins. Cleveland, six games back. And the AL West, the Athletics, 
have a stranglehold on that division. Six games up on the Astros. Eight games up on Seattle. Los Angeles, Angels, ten and a half back. Not in the playoff race. Way to go, Mike Trout. Way to go. My weekly shout-out to Mike Trout. Stupid-ass life decisions. In the NL East, Braves up three and a half games on the Marlins. The Fighting Phils of <laughs> four games back of the Braves. They were hot. As of my last podcast, they are not hot as of this podcast. And they are currently tied 4-4 with the Mets. Top nine. That bullpen's going to blow it again. Two bad bullpen teams going at it. I love it. Gotta love it because I hate both of them. In the Central, the Cubs hold a commanding four and a half game lead over the Cardinals. The Cincinnati Reds, as of right now, have squeaked in to the eighth and final playoff spot, sitting a half game back of second place St. Louis, five games out of the Cubs. In the West, the Dodgers become the first team to clinch a playoff spot as of today's win against the Padres, my dark horse, in the National League, who sits three and a half games back of the Dodgers. Obviously, that division is already set in stone, but the Padres are going to make the playoffs. And they're going to make some motherfucking noise when they get into the playoffs. So, here's what we're looking like. If the playoffs were to start today, the 8th place team would be the Houston Astros in the American League. And in the National League, it would be the Cincinnati Reds. Now, we still got 11 11 days. A lot of things can happen. Some teams will be playing and making up some of their delayed games from the COVID situation. So, they'll be playing doubleheaders. So something still to be ironing out with the bottom seeds, but playoffs are coming close. It's going to be interesting. My American League MVP prediction as of right now, it's probably going to go to Mike Trout. I don't think he deserves it for being on a shitty-ass team, but he's probably going to win it again. And then the National League, I don't know, man. I think Mookie Best is going to get it this year. He's having a great season. Dodgers are the cream of the crop in the, in the International League. I think Mookie Betts gets it. So I'm going with Trout and Mookie Betts. Cy Young Award winners, who the hell knows? Not It's too early for me to, to predict that. I'll predict that in another podcast because we still got 11 games left. The Grom just went down with a hamstring injury. Cole's been pitching like an asshole. So I don't know. It's all up in the air on that. But... Playoffs are coming, y'all. Baseball is doing a damn thing. They have officially proven me wrong. They will make it to the playoffs. They have made it past 30 games. They are going to fulfill their 60-game requirement. Everybody's going to get paid. Everybody's going to be happy. And if the playoffs are anything like the NBA playoffs, then you know what? We're going to be in for an absolute treat. Absolute treat. And speaking of treats, I just want to say that it is officially fall season, which means... Pumpkin is back, y'all. Pumpkin everything. And some of my friends have this running joke. And they call it... I'm not going to say what they call it because it's inappropriate. But I'm going to say that it is referred to as this bougie-ass basic bitch shit. Well, you know what? You know what? If I'm a basic bitch because I like pumpkin spice everything. I'm talking about pumpkin spice coffee. Pumpkin spice fucking dessert. 
pumpkin bread. I am all about it. If that makes me a basic bitch, then you know what? I'm a basic bitch with a popping ass podcast. Tell you that much. So fuck y'all for calling me a basic ass bitch because I enjoy the fall season, the leaf changing, and pumpkin spice everything. I don't give a fuck. I love it. I love it. I don't care. I love it. I'm owning it. I'm owning it. Owning it. And shout out to The Rock and Terramana. Still not giving me that sponsorship deal. Haters gonna hate. I'm still gonna be great. That's all I'm saying. I'm still gonna keep shouting you out because that tequila is fantastic. And if you haven't had it, please do so. Because you know what? It's phenomenal. And I'm not even gonna hate on it. It's really, really good. It's really, really good. Now. That's right. That's gonna be our weekly intro. For motherfucking football. Week one was a success. Week one was fantastic. I'll get to my fantasy league outcomes in a minute. But the Chiefs did the damn thing over the Texans in a Thursday night opener. Pat Mahomes looked like Pat Mahomes. The Fresh Prince of Hell Air, as most people are referring him to. Killed it. Killed it. That kid, I don't care if it's one game. I don't care. That kid is a way more explosive Maurice Jones Drew. Same size, maybe a little taller, a little more stocky. But my man's got some strong legs. He knows how to cut. He's got great vision. And he's low to the ground. Gets between those tackles. Hard to see him. He had a super impressive first week. I loved it. Pat Mahomes looked great. The Chiefs defense is still, to me, very suspect and very trash. But they did the damn thing against the Texans because the Texans are awful. Bill O'Brien is the worst GM, I think, in the league. That's going to be my guess. Because you gave it to D. Hopkins, right? And now you surround Deshaun Watson, your franchise quarterback, a monster in his own right. But you... Surround him with a bunch of slot receivers. This guy has no go-to receiver. No throw it up and go get it. Bail me out. None of that. No type of receiver. He's got Randall Cobb. He's got Fuller who's always fucking hurt. He's got Stills who gets hurt all the time. Like these guys are not what my man Watson deserves to be throwing a football to. And it's a shame. I'm glad he only signed a four-year contract extension. Shout out to his extension and getting his money. Hopefully he doesn't take any career-ending hits. Because, man, that offensive line is still trash. Diamond Tunsil was doing his thing on the blind side. But, man, that offensive line is not good. The defense is not good. J.J. Watt, I love J.J. Watt, love you. But, man, you getting old, bro. You getting old. And it showed on some of those plays when you was just going up against the Fresh Prince of Hell and he was leaving your ass Going in one direction while he was going in the complete opposite direction. So I don't like the Texans' outlook, period. But I damn sure don't like the outlook of the defense. And I hope the offense does great because I have Deshaun Watson in one of my leagues. So full disclosure, I need him to do good. And he did good fantasy-wise, getting me 21 and a half points. But, man, I feel bad for him because that team is trash. Absolute trash. All right. 49ers, man. 49ers took a big L. On Sunday, and it was a weird game to watch for me because I love the 49ers greatly. 
I think we're going to be okay. Like I said in a previous podcast, we're definitely going to have some Super Bowl letdown. Our defense is a bit banged up. It came into the season banged up. Our receiving core is a little bit depressing at the moment because we came in banged up as well. Uh, offensive line, you know, it's, they got to get fluid. We lost daily. We got Trim Williams, which obviously, you know, is a wash as far as just sw- swapping out talent. But there's no cohesion there. We got to get that going. And Jimmy G, I don't know, man. I hope Jimmy G takes the next step this year. We're going to need him to. But we need some receivers for him to throw to. But the Cardinals, man, the Cardinals came up big, 24-20. My man Kyler Murray did his thing. Hopkins had a monster of a game. That air raid offense, that Cliff Kingsbury shit, man, I don't like Cliff Kingsbury. But you know what? For one week, didn't look bad. Didn't look bad. Second season in the NFL. Second season with Kyler Murray, the quarterback he wanted the whole time. They got him a go-to number one option on on offense. They got some good running backs. They got decent receivers all around. And they got a serviceable defense, a defense that can do the damn thing, a la the Chiefs, when they get a lead. So it's going to be interesting to see them grow this year, especially in that division where they play us another round. They got the Seahawks twice. They got the Rams twice. You know, it's a, it's a good division. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how that plays out. But I like... I like what man Kyle is going to do this year. I liked him so much that I drafted him in about three leagues. So, obviously, I'm a big Kyler Murray fan, but I didn't need him to wash my team like he did. But he did, so it is what it is. Seahawks, big over the Falcons. Falcons are trash. The Falcons have been trash ever since they blew that Super Bowl lead to the Patriots. And honestly, it's just not getting any better. Julio Jones had a beast of a debut for his new season. Matt Ryan threw the ball a lot. Because they ain't got no running game. That defense is trash. Calvin really had a big game. Hayden Hurst is my sleeper tight end. I drafted him in a few leagues. But I don't see the Seahawks. Or sorry, I don't see the Falcons doing much of anything this year. The Seahawks were super impressive. My man Russell Wilson was out here slinging the rock all over the field. Spreading the ball around everywhere. Metcalf had a good day. Lockett had a good day. Shit, Carlos Hyde scored a damn touchdown. Carson scored two touchdowns. I mean, they have a good team, man. They have a really good team. That defense can just do something. And I think Adams, the addition of Adams is really going to help solidify that back end, which will at least help them hold leads and keep themselves in games. Watch out for Russell Wilson this year. The man has been disrespected consistently every year when it comes to MVP voting, MVP talk. And I think this is the year that Seahawks Make a push for Super Bowl. Josh Gordon comes back at some point. Seahawks going to be scary. That's all I'm saying. Seahawks are going to be scary. Speaking of being scary, the fucking Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen looked great. Great. They washed the Jets by 10. The Jets are trash. They lost Le'Veon Bell. Probably for a couple games. Doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. They have nobody to throw the ball to. Sam Darnold looks like he's regressing every snap. The defense is terrible, which I told you it was going to be anyway because all the people that opted out and the trade of Adams. But whatever, that's not the story. The story is the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Josh Allen looks like a bona fide starting quarterback. He's got the legs. He's got the arm. They're starting to call better plays to suit what he does on offense. They got digs in the trade to go with John Brown. They got Knox clogging up the middle. As a good young tight end. 
Zach Moss, everybody's high on him at running back. I wasn't high on him. I didn't draft him. Maybe that was a mistake on my part. And you got Singletary, they're starting, they're starting uh, running back. He can at least carry the load. And they have a hell of a defense. Sean McDermott's a hell of a defensive coach anyway. So I'm telling you what. I know the Patriots are the Patriots. I might even predict the Patriots to win the division. But, but, after week one, I think the Buffalo Bills may just break through this year. May just break through. So, we'll keep an eye on them as the weeks progress because, again, it's only week one. But, they look fantastic. Chicago Bears beat the Detroit Lions 24-23. Sorry, 27-23. I'm not high on the Bears at all. Mitch Trubisky won the starting job over Nick Foles. He was supposed to. He had to. They invested too much money and too much draft capital to not give him another shot. He played terrible for three quarters. He found it for a quarter. Led them to a comeback. Great. But the Lions, they looked terrible. Galladay was out for the game. Their running back, Kern Johnson, got hurt early. DeAndre Swift, their first-round pick, dropped a huge touchdown, which probably would have won them the game. But they have Matt Patricia as their coach, and he's trash. I don't care what anybody says. I don't think he's a good coach. He wasn't a good defensive coordinator. He was just a defensive coordinator by label because Bill Belichick was doing that whole shit from the scheme set up to calling the plays to taking over when it was on crucial drives. So Matt Patricia is eating off of that whole Patriots way bullshit. But I'm telling you what, he's going to get exposed this year because the Chicago Bears have no business winning that game, and they did. Mr. Trubisky is terrible. He's going to have a terrible year. I feel bad for Mac. He went from the Raiders, who didn't appreciate him, to the Bears, who really wanted him. And last year was his best opportunity with that defense playing the way they played for him to really do something and make some noise in the playoffs. And unfortunately, now he's going to wither away because they're going to have to restart their entire franchise build all over because they're going to have to draft another quarterback unless they sign Cam Newton after this year because he's not signing back with the Patriots. Either he's going to get hurt <clears throat> or he's going to have too big of a year, and they're not going to pay him the money he wants. That's my prediction with that. Cam Newton to the Bears in the offseason. Packers and Vikings, 43-34. The pack attack was all that. Rodgers was spreading the ball around like everybody thought he was going to because you know what? People were talking all this shit about him. And then they go and draft a quarterback in the first round. You know his ass is ready to prove everybody wrong, especially that franchise. And he's either going to get the trade that he's going to request at the end of this year or they're going to realize that Jordan Love ain't playing for a couple more years because Aaron Rodgers is still motherfucking Aaron Rodgers. The receivers look decent. The running running game looked all right. The defense didn't need to do much because the Vikings, outside of shout-out to my man Dalvin Cook for doing his fantasy thing, Love you, Dalvin Cook. Keep going, baby. Keep going. Kirk Cousins looked like the trash Kirk Cousins we always know him to be. They clearly missed Diggs. Justin Jefferson is too young to become the guy. Adam Thielen, he's a good slot receiver. He's a good second receiver, but he's not your go-to guy. So until they incorporate Irv Smith, the tight end from Alabama, more into that uh, offensive scheme, They ain't going to do shit because that defense, that defense looks old, man. That defense looks like not the defense of the last few years. Put it that way. 
So shout out to the Packers coming through big in the first week. The Patriots did the Patriots thing. They ran Cam Newton a thousand times. They let him throw a few times. They just wore out the Dolphins. I mean, and of course it's Bill Belichick versus one of his disciples. So you already know that game's gonna that guy's gonna take an L ASAP. But you know, Cam looked good. Everybody was excited. Everybody was giving his praise after the game and everything. And honestly speaking, the man took too many hits. He's still reckless, running the ball. The touchdown he had at the corner of the end zone where he dove for the pylon, I thought he was going to get his shoulder destroyed again. I'm just not confident in Cam Newton surviving a season. And considering that he's basically a one-year rental, I don't see Bill Belichick giving a fuck about him enough to protect him. Honestly, Bill Belichick only cares about winning that division, having a better overall record than Tom Brady. Who looked washed himself. So I feel bad for Cam Newton. Kind of worried about him. But week one, they got the win. Patriots doing Patriots things. <sighs> Philadelphia Eagles. And Washington. First of all, Washington does not deserve to just have one name. Or go by one name. They're not that good of a franchise at all. And they haven't been that good for a very long time. But since they have no fucking last name yet. They haven't come up with something to substitute for the dropping of the Redskins. Shout out to Haskins. Getting his opening season. Opening day win. First of his career. As far as game ones of a season. The offense... Did enough, I guess, to win that game. Flat out, the Eagles gave that game away. They were dominating in the beginning. I watched the whole game because I'm in the market and all my friends are Eagles fans that are local here. They were up 17-0. Ertz to a Hertz was doing his thing. Goddard scored. They were doing all this without Miles Sanders. Carson Wentz was looking like MVP Carson Wentz of a couple of years ago. And this was all being done with their trash offensive line. Their defense is still trash. They still have no secondary outside of Darius Slay. And then all of a sudden, they stopped running the ball because Doug Peterson is the worst fucking play caller in the NFL. And he's been exposed greatly ever since they won the championship. And every other team plucked all of the offensive assistants that were pretty much doing everything for him behind the scenes. And they blew that game. The second half was disgusting. My friends were heartbroken. They were train wrecks. It looked terrible. And I think it's going to be much of the same going forward. I mean, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Their offensive line is in shambles. Everybody's hurt. They're supposed to get Lane Johnson back this week, potentially. Miles Sanders comes back this week, potentially. But he's got a hamstring issue, which sucks because I drafted him as well in like two leagues. And if you're a running back and you have a hamstring issue already, I mean, that's going to linger, man. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to act up. You're going to continue to tweak it, especially if you're constantly getting the ball and getting hit right away because that offensive line, like I said, is terrible. So, unfortunately, I don't think the Eagles are going to have a great start to the season. And that pains me to a degree, but it also makes me happy because when I listen to 97.5 The Fanatic, they go ballistic, and the fans that call in go ballistic. And honestly, it's a hell of a laugh for me. So, shout out to the Eagles for giving me a hell of a laugh after week one. Hopefully, you do better in week two. 
I don't think you will, but hopefully you do, because I don't want my friends to become extreme alcoholics and depressants every Sunday, because that's not productive. The Raiders, 34-30 over the Panthers. Shout out to Anderson. Robbie Anderson had a hell of a game, man. Hell of a game. Teddy Bridgewater and him must have developed some good chemistry while he was briefly with the Jets, because that combination looked good. McCaffrey did McCaffrey things. Panthers defense is young, so can't expect much of it. Matt Rule's first game coaching in the NFL as a head coach. Didn't do terrible. I mean, they only lost by four, considering Josh Jacobs had three touchdowns. Derek Carr didn't do much of anything. Hig or Ruggs had a decent first game debut. The defense did just enough to hold on to that lead and get the W. So shout out to John Gruden starting the season off 1-0. And yeah, that's all I can say about that. The Raiders... As long as they keep feeding Jacobs, I'll be happy. And if they can give Ruggs some deep passes and deep opportunities every game, that works for me because I got Ruggs in a few leagues. And I have Josh Jacobs in one league. And it's a half-point PPR league which, with crazy-ass scoring opportunities. So feed that man. Feed that man except the week that I play him in one specific league, which will not be mentioned on this podcast ever. But do not feed him that, that week. That's all I ask of you. Come on, John Gruden. Don't be a dick. Moving on. The Jaguars. The fucking Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Indianapolis Colts in Phillip Rivers' debut. <laughs> Gardner Minshew had a good game. Threw a few touchdowns. Spread the ball around to a few receivers. Their running game is non-existent at all. Their defense... Doesn't have much of anybody, so the fact that the Colts only put up 20 points in that defense is pretty much a joke. Marlon Mack went down for the season early. Phillip Rivers, I don't know. He was decent, I guess. But he only put up 20 points. T.Y.'s healthy. You got a good running back. You got the second or third best offensive line in the entire NFL, according to everybody. And you only put up 20 points against the Jaguars. I'm not going to look too much into this because, again, it's week one. There was no preseason, but, I mean, that's not a good look for your boy Phillip Rivers, who looked extremely washed last year with the Chargers, which is why he's no longer there. So that's going to be an interesting team to watch because that division is extremely winnable. They have a good defense. They have a hell of an offensive line. But if Phillip Rivers doesn't do old-school Chargers things with the Colts and he does recent Chargers things with the Colts, Frank Wright finna kill somebody. That's all I'm saying. The Ravens and the Browns. Ravens did the Ravens thing. The Ravens did what the Ravens do. Good defense. Lamar Jackson balled out. Dobbins had a fantastic debut, which excited me greatly because I have him in about three leagues. Hollywood Brown looks like he's going to take a good leap in the second year, hopefully. Again, 21 week, but look good. Lamar Jackson looked good. Everybody looked good. But you know who didn't look good? Baker fucking Mayfield. The king of commercials. Baker Mayfield is in more fucking commercials on Football Sunday than probably every other athlete combined that shows up on an endorsement commercial on Sunday. He is literally fucking everywhere. Everywhere. And he was awful. They scored Six points. It's a division game. I understand the Ravens have a hell of a defense. I 
completely get that. I understand that they know them very well because they play them twice a year. But you just hired a new offensive coordinator who's supposed to be this great play-action scheme guy, right? He's your head coach. You revamped everything. He still has Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, three tight ends because they just signed Austin Hooper to go along with Njoku who just went on the IR. And I forget who their third uh, tight end is, but he's not a slouch. They have a decent offensive line. They have a great or good defense. They have a lot of talent on that defense. Miles Garrett got paid. And you put up six fucking points? Six points. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are in your backfield. And you put up six fucking points. Baker Mayfield, you're fucking trash. You're the most overhyped thing that I've seen come out of college and have a few decent games since I, I can't even remember. Ryan Leaf maybe? But Ryan Leaf had more hype in college and didn't do anything in the NFL. At least you had a few good games in the NFL. But fuck, are you terrible? Man, I tell you what. The Browns are another team that if they don't turn this shit around ASAP, ASAP, they're going to have to start all over again too because he doesn't look like a franchise quarterback. At all. And this is year two of him not looking like a franchise quarterback. Again, it's one week, but that's a pretty bad fucking week. Six points? Six points. Bro, that's terrible. So, they play on Thursday. They got the Thursday night game against Cincinnati. I'm predicting them to win because I just don't see how they lose to a rookie quarterback with the defense that has as much talent as the Browns do. But if you don't win that game... If they don't win tomorrow night, because we're recording this on Wednesday, if they don't win tomorrow night, holy shit. Holy shit. That's all I can say. And if you're a Browns fan, Browns fan, damn. Damn. You better enjoy whatever the Cleveland Indians do this year in the playoffs. And you better enjoy Francisco Lindor for as long as you have him, which is probably another half a season after this, because the rest of of Cleveland sports are fucking trash. And that's tragedy because they have good fans. So I feel bad for you guys. I'm going to feel even worse if you vote for Trump in November. But, sorry. Enjoy your Indians because that's all you get for the next, looks like, few years because the fucking Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be awful as well. Actually, they have a good young team, though. They have some good guards. But <clears throat> they're far away as well. So shout out to Cleveland uh fans all over the world <laughs> good luck being that guy Chargers Bengals Chargers only won by three Mike Williams played which goes to show that reporting in the sports world it's fucking terrible because everybody had him being out shit even fantasy football had him being out which sucks because I have him in two leagues as well so how you got that wrong is beyond me with all the information that's available now but that's neither here nor there Tyrod Taylor did enough to get his team a victory. That's all I can say about the Chargers. Because they lost Darwin James. And that's by far their second best defensive player behind Joey Bosa. You know, no offense to Melvin Ingram who's a beast. And definitely their third best player. But, I mean, Darwin James is a fucking monster. And he's a pup still, NFL wise. But he's gone for the year. You lose him before you even play a game. Joe Burrow didn't look terrible, man. He didn't look terrible. That offensive call doesn't get called against A.J. Green in the end zone with seven seconds left. They win that game. Joe Burrow wins his first 
ever NFL game if that call doesn't get made. So, I mean, they didn't look terrible. Could have been worse. Could have been six points like the fucking Browns. So, shout out to Joe Burrow for at least doing a decent job putting up 13 points against a good defense. Good to very good, depending on how healthy the charges are. Data week to week. But Bengals go down early. Probably going to be a long season for the Bengals. But it may be entertaining. And from a fantasy perspective, if they get Higgins involved and all those receivers stay healthy, hey, he's got a chance to spread the ball around week to week and put up some good fantasy football numbers, in which, at the end of the day, it's pretty much all we care about outside of our individual teams. The Buccaneers and the Saints, a.k.a. the Ben Gay game, the Icy Hot game, the whatever game, Jarrett Hall, Aspirin, whatever. Two old-ass dudes at quarterback. Drew Brees looks like, he looks like the Rocket in Rookie of the Year. He can't heat up his arm anymore. He's washed. That's it. He's done. His arm has zero strength. He should have retired this past year and went to the booth, and they should have let, what's his name, Tatum? Do his thing and be the quarter, the dual threat quarterback they need moving forward. Have Jameis be the backup and rock out. But they didn't. So they're going to struggle, I think, at times this year because he can't throw the ball past 15 yards, man. It's crazy. Michael Thomas gets hurt first game. He's out for at least one game, possibly two or three more with a high ankle sprain, which is good for me because that means Emmanuel Sanders is going to eat or at least get the opportunity to eat. And I have him in about two or three leagues. Uh, Alvin Kamara got paid right before the season started. Shout out to him and his uh, fantastic icy grill that he wore for week one. Uh, The defense is going to be formidable throughout the season. They have offensive weapons. Um, They have enough to get by, in my opinion, but I just don't know. I'm not confident in what Drew Brees is going to do throughout the season. I don't know how healthy he is, how healthy that arm is. I don't know how it's going to hold up. So we'll be interested to see how that is. If I'm a betting man, which I am, I'm probably betting more times than not against the Saints this year, uh, just because I think Drew Brees is one hit away from that whole shit disintegrating. But speaking of whole shit disintegrating, Tom Brady, the great Tom Brady, people who say he's better than Joe Montana, which, fuck you, I'm Joe Montana forever. But, you know, he's got more championships, so can't argue that. Tom Brady looked like a guy who just met his entire team for the first time, right? Which, to an extent, kind of is. They hadn't played a real game yet. No postseason again. So, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt of saying his arm is not washed, unlike Drew Brees. He's got a bunch of offensive weapons. Evans was a little banged up. Week one, they just lost Godwin. Going into week two, uh, the little dude, slot mach- the slot receiver Miller looked pretty good. They still have their tight ends, even though Gronk looks slow as hell. The defense is elite or borderline elite at, at worst. They should have a relatively good year in that division. But Tom Brady's another dude. That TB12 bullshit, cut it out. Cut your avocado ice cream bullshit and as your remedy for sustainable health and long living within the NFL world. Just stop, man. Just play the season out. Collect that Under Armour check. Go hang out with yourself somewhere after this and just retire, man, because you should not be playing football anymore. And I think Bruce Arians at some point is going to want to strangle you and he's going to keep trashing you in the media 
Because unlike Bill Belichick, he's going to say whatever the fuck he wants. Because he has, doesn't have to be loyal to you at all. Because the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers isn't sucking your dick the way that Robert Kraft was. So that's going to be an interesting thing just to watch week in and week out. As far as if he has a bad game, how the press conferences go, what Bruce Arian says. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But they took an L week one, which means my friend Eric was sad, which makes me happy because I just don't hate. I just don't like Tampa Bay fans, period. I don't like anything Tampa Bay related. I have family in Tampa Bay, so shout out to them. But I don't like the Buccaneers. Never have, never will. Maybe when Tony Dungy was there and they had work done on all those boys, they were tolerable. But I just don't like them. Just don't like them. So glad they lost. Speaking of being happy about losses, how about those Cowboys? Or sorry, how about them Cowboys? How about them? Dak Prescott looked pedestrian, which sucks because I have him in fantasy football. Amari Cooper was nowhere to be found and was dropping some passes and getting laid out by my man Jalen Ramsey of Florida State. (laughs) The Cowboys are... Shambles. I think they're going to be in shambles all year, which is painful for me because as a minority man, I want Dak Prescott to get his money. I think Jerry Jones is doing him extremely dirty. And I love Zeke Elliott because I just like Zeke Elliott, period. Um, I want CeeDee Lamb to do good because I have him in a few leagues. And like I said, I have Prescott, so I want him to throw the ball around. But man, that offense, Mike McCarthy's offense, this offensive genius that you bought in to replace Garrett, who went to the Giants, and that offense looked actually better. Just It just looked more functional than what the Cowboys presented week one. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. If you're a Cowboys fan, hold on to your butts, as my man Samuel Jackson says in Jurassic Park, because, whoo, you guys are in for a long-ass ride. The Rams, I mean, we'll see if Jared Goff can do something. Woods looks great this year so far. I mean, he's looked good the last couple of years, so I expect him to have a big year. Cooper Cup is consistent. Uh, I think Cam Akers is going to be a really good running back. Malcolm Brown, hey, he had a hell of a good week. Tell you what, two touchdowns. They have Higby on a big contract. They have Everett as well at tight end. So they have all the offensive weapon. And, of course, they have the boy wonder, Sean McVay, who got him to a Super Bowl a couple years ago. I mean, listen, worst-case scenario, the Rams are going to be interesting to watch week in and week out. And from a fantasy perspective, I mean, I would load up on the Rams because they're going to, when in doubt, they're going to throw the ball and they're going to spread it around in that offense. So at the very least, it's going to get you fantasy football points, which is good for everybody. The Monday night games were entertaining. The Steelers and the Giants, what the Steelers defense did to Saquon Barkley from a rushing attack standpoint was fucking embarrassing. Embarrassing. On all levels. And not just the fact that I have him and he was my number one pick in the league that I'm in. But the man is a beast. Everybody knows he's a beast. You can't say nothing negative about Saquon Barkley at all. As a running back, as a player, as a human being, it appears so far, he's got the full package. But my God, did they embarrass him and that offensive line. They were in the backfield play after play after play in that game and it was it had to be frustrating he broke one big run on a screen pay which was misdirection got a bunch of yards did the whole Saquon Barkley hurdling people thing which eventually is going to get him hurt one day so he needs to stop that shit ASAP Slayton had a big 
big, big, big game, which shout out to my man L for drafting him high and boasting about him the entire time that he drafted him, before he drafted him, while he drafted him, after he drafted him. So I was happy for him. Giants don't look terrible. That defense is going to be terrible because Gettleman is awful as a GM or president of football operations, whatever the fuck he is. He doesn't deserve to be any of that. He deserves to be healthy and cancer-free, and I hope he does win that battle on a serious note because fuck cancer. But as an employee and the head of an organization, he should not be an employee in the NFL or the head of an organization. He should be retired somewhere collecting a check because he does not know how to put a team together. Daniel Jones, I still don't know what to think of him as a quarterback, but he put up some decent passes against the Steelers. I don't know. The Steelers, though, Big Ben, Big Ben looked good, man. Big Ben could throw the ball past 15 yards, which is something we were all worried about. Juju Smith did his thing week one, albeit against a pedestrian-ass secondary. The kid Claypool from Notre Dame, I think he's going to be really good this year. I just have a feeling. They have a bunch of options for Big Ben to throw the ball to. And they got Ebron this year to run down the middle for their tight end position. They have Benny Snell Jr., who was beasting to back up Connor, who himself is a beast. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that Claypool is going to get a ton of touches every game, and he might not be consistent. Actually, he's definitely not going to be consistent week in and week out. But, but I think that's a kid to look out for as far as a future solid, solid, solid number two to go with Juju Smith-Schuster as your number one. I don't know, man. That offense could be relatively scary if they stay healthy. Big Ben stays healthy with that arm and that shoulder. Connors can avoid the injury bug, which has gotten him before. Steelers are good, man, because that defense is scary. Scary. The nightcap on Monday, Titans and the Broncos. Now, I got to admit, I fell asleep on this game, so I did not see the comeback that the Titans pulled off at the end. But I will say shout-out to Griskowski, the kicker, who used to play for the Pats and now plays for the Titans, who looked like he lost his fucking mind his first four field goal attempts and extra point attempts. But man looked like he was kicking with his right leg for the first time ever. Like if he was a natural lefty and for some reason somebody told him you could only use your right leg. He was in shambles. The man was in so much shambles that he took off his shoes and his socks and proceeded to walk around the fucking sidelines in bare feet in Denver, no less. Like, that can't be comfortable in no way, shape, or form. And it's probably not good for your feet to be walking around, especially with the Rona on the floor and shit. Like, that wasn't smart at all. But he did it, and it worked because he came back and he kicked the game-winning field goal, which I missed because I was sleeping because I thought that game was over. Drew Locke looked good. They threw the ball around. They got a two-headed monster at running back that's at least serviceable. Their defense looked not as bad as I thought it would look without Von Miller, who's out for the season. Broncos are another team that, at the very least, they're going to be interesting to watch week in and week out. They're going to throw the ball no matter what because John Elway has loaded up on receivers and tight ends for Drew Locke. They are all in on Drew Locke, and he looked better than Baker Mayfield, tell you that much. 
So they're going to be an interesting team to watch. They're going to be a fun team to watch from a fantasy football perspective. Also, from a betting perspective, whether it's DraftKings or FanDuel, or if you're actually betting with a bookie, which I don't recommend because that's how niggas get dead. But they should be fun. They should be fun. So NFL Week 1 was success. Week 2 is upon us. So I will give you my Week 2 predictions. I already said the Browns. I have winning the Thursday night game by the slimmest of margins. Sunday, I got the 49ers over the Jets. I'm going to go the Bears over the Giants just because of the defense. Falcons over the Cowboys because they have a better offense right now than the Cowboys do. Both teams have a terrible defense. Packers over the Lions. Titans over the Jags. Vikings over the Colts. I'm going to go the Bills over the Dolphins. The Rams over the Eagles. Steelers over the Broncos. I'm going to go the Panthers over the Buccaneers. Cardinals for sure over Washington. Chiefs over the Chargers. (laughs) The Ravens over the Texans. And I'm going to go with Seattle over the Patriots. Because I love my cousin-in-law, and he's a huge Seattle Seahawks fan. And I have Russell Wilson in one of my leagues. That's right. I'm in a lot of leagues. Don't fucking judge me. And the Monday night cap. I got the Raiders beating the Saints in a close game as the Raiders play in in, uh, Vegas. I don't know. I just got a feeling. I got a feeling that the Raiders are going to... Then the Raiders are going to win. That's what I'm going with that. Yep, I said what I said. Raiders are winning that game. That's my predictions for week two. If you're using me as your barometer to bet, don't blame me if you lose money. If you win money, cut me a motherfucking check. Cut the check. If I help you win some money, cut the check. Be respectful. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because I helped you win some money. And then cut the motherfucking check. Don't be a dick. Cut the check. All right? Maybe I can flip that. Get me some sponsors, and we could all be living. Don't hate. Participate. Appreciate. Help me elevate, baby. Come on. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors today. Who's our sponsors today? Hmm. We're going to go with Sponsorship DJ GQ, the best DJ in Philadelphia, the best DJ in the Northeast. The best DJ in the entire East Coast. And Hurt Denim. Why? One, it's a family-owned business. And two, it's literally staring at me in the fucking face. So those are my two sponsors for this commercial break. We'll be back. And when we come back, motherfucking basketball, motherfucking Clippers got clipped. They got clipped, y'all. They got clipped. And it ain't a good look. Ain't a good look at all. We'll be back. We did it yesterday. We did it. We got through an entire night of fantastic basketball. We had game one, Celtics Heat, Eastern Conference Final, which I predicted would be the Eastern Conference Final matchup. So shout out to myself for being right. And then we had game seven of the Clippers Nuggets, which nobody predicted that shit even going seven. Definitely not myself. In my last podcast, I had that series being over and done with. So shout out to me being completely fucking wrong on that end. But 
Hell of a job by Nuggets. We're going to get into that game because there's a lot of shit to talk about with that game. And none of it is going to be all this hot take bullshit that was going on today with everybody sucking off the Nuggets and everybody jumping on the fucking Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and blah, blah. You know what? You shouldn't have been doing that shit to begin with because you shouldn't have been sucking their dicks from the very beginning because there's a team that got put together for one fucking season and none of these dudes had any chemistry and nobody should have had the expectations that they had of them just washing and running through the entire fucking West when the regular season, they didn't do none of that shit. They were super inconsistent. That stupid low management bullshit backfired on their ass, which it should have done because you got to fucking play the first year when you're a brand new team and a collective unit. But whatever, we'll get to that in a minute. The Miami Heat and the Celtics. If you're not a basketball fan, become one. Right now, pick a fucking team or just pick the series and watch it. Because you are going to witness great basketball. Great basketball. And I am a fan of great basketball. That's why I love watching the Warriors for all those years, even before they got KD. But then when they did get KD, it got even better. Ball movement, sharing the basketball, offensive movement, back cuts, back screens consistently passing for the open shot, playing good defense, help defense, team defense. That shit is basketball at its finest, and it is on full display in this series, guys. We have two teams from great franchises, not good franchises, great franchises. They have two of the best orchestrators, architects, whatever the fuck you want to call it, in the game, and Pat Riley and Danny Ainge, who have been going at each other and strongly dislike each other since back in the day when Pat Riley was a coach for the Lakers and Danny Ainge was a player for the Celtics, and that shit carried over to when Pat Riley was with the Knicks and now with the Heat and Danny Ainge was with Boston, and before that, playing for a plethora of other fucking teams Danny Ainge played for. So that in itself is intriguing. You have two extremely good head coaches, probably two of the top five coaches in the game. Tacticians, great at what they do. And Eric Spostra and fucking Brad Stevens. But the guys on the court, man, the guys on the court are doing something special. The level of basketball that these two teams are playing with is fucking incredible. The end of that game, which was an overtime thriller, came down to an incredibly, credibly difficult defensive play by Bam Adebayo coming over, anticipating his jump, timing it perfectly, and going with the left hand For the block, because if he goes with his right hand, which he is a righty, he hits Tatum with the body, Tatum gets fouled, and he may not block the shot. On the other side of that, if Tatum hadn't been a cocky asshole and didn't cock back the ball and just went for a regular quick slam, which people do all the time, he would have beat him to the goal and they would have won. But the most impressive thing about that block was that Bam Adebayo didn't break his fucking left wrist. Because his left wrist was literally 90 degrees bent. That ball was almost in the cylinder if you watch every replay. And somehow he was able to reject it and keep his wrist intact. Which in itself was fucking impressive. But the game was back and forth. The Celtics came out shooting, passing the ball, running their offense to perfection. Kimball Walker needs to play better. Needs to play better, 100%. But Kimball Walker 
can get whatever he wants against the Miami Heat. And so if he can just adjust, they have no answer for him. Because he can get to his pot, hits his spot anytime he wants. He can get his little hard drive, stop on a dime, and step back whenever he wants. Free throw line extended, and he's got that all motherfucking day. But he played 43 minutes. He had 19 points, and he only had three rebounds, six assists. It sounds like a decent stat line, but he was six for 19. And he can't guard anybody. So if he's only giving you 19 points and only giving you six assists with a terrible-ass field goal percentage, he's a liability because he cannot guard anybody. I'm going to say that again. He cannot guard anybody. And that includes Tyler Hero, who's skinny as shit. He's a baller. But he's skinny as shit, and he can still take his ass down to the post. Marcus Smart, who's having a fucking fantastic playoff run, a fantastic bubble experience, and is everything that Pat Beverly should be if he fucking had an ounce of work ethic in him and just wasn't a fucking scumbag of a defensive player because he fucking fouls more than he does anything else. And for some reason, we consider him this lockdown defender of all guys, and he's really not. But Marcus Smart is a lockdown defender. He's a hell of an actor, too. He should get an Oscar or an Emmy or a Tony or something because you just breathe on him and he's flopping, which is incredible because he gets call after call, which he should not get. But on the offensive end, 43 minutes, 26 points. 6 of 13 from 3-point range. 9 of 18 from the field. And he was the guy coming off the bench before Gordon Hayward got hurt. Jalen Brown, 44 minutes, 17 points. 5 rebounds, 3 of 4 from 3. 6 of 14 from the field. You need more points from Jalen Brown. But Jalen Brown has proven it throughout the playoffs. He will be there, and he's going to give you consistent 17, 15, 20 points a game. So he's doing what he does. Tice, Tice, you're gonna be on the phone. You're gonna be on the floor for 35 minutes. You need to do more than four points and four rebounds, bro. They need him to do something to try to offset the impact of Bam on the opposite end. And I'm not saying he can stay with Bam. I'm not saying he can compete with Bam. What I am saying is he's more than capable of doing something better than four points and four rebounds in 35 minutes, considering he's your starting center. Jason Tatum. Now, before I go off on Jason Tatum again, I'm going to give him a shout-out. He had 30 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists on 10 of 24 from field goals, 4 of 12 from 3, not great, especially considering that he takes all these nut-ass step-back threes. But here's my problem with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum goes through points in a game where you think he is going to be the next great superstar. And then he goes through points where he doesn't do anything that he should be doing. He gets a small guard on him, and again, he doesn't take him in the post, create contact, get a foul. He's a hell of a free throw shooter. He doesn't do it. He doesn't back you down, go to a a mid-range fadeaway, which he has in the bag. He doesn't take you off the dribble. He doesn't try to hit you with a jab step, which he should get in the lab with Melo in the offseason and learn that jab step, because Melo's the greatest to ever do it with the jab step. And broaden his game he doesn't do any of that so he goes through times in the game which he can't afford to do against this team where he doesn't do shit except take 30 to 35 foot step back threes after holding the ball for 20 seconds and just dribbling and dribbling and dribbling which drives me fucking nuts which is exactly what he did at the end of regulation instead of taking it to the cup and try to draw a foul 
No, he takes a 32-foot jump shot after holding the fucking ball, which is also an indictment on Brad Stevens and his, I don't know what the fuck he's thinking offense. At the end of the game, like, I get you got this great player. He's a hell of an ISO player. All this jazz. Fine. But run some action, man. Run some action. Get the ball in Kimba's hands. Let him break the defense down. Get Jason get Jason Tatum going off of a back screen that nobody's looking for. Get him get him free throw line extended. If he's going to get a three, get him a corner three. Get him a top of the key three. Something short where he's not taking a 35-foot jump shot like he's fucking Steph Curry because he's not. And that's why they lost this game because they should have won this game. But they didn't because there are times in their offense where they just get three fucking happy. It's an NBA thing. It's disgusting. But you're in the conference finals now. You are four wins away from getting to the NBA finals where anything can happen. And you're running large portions of the game with no type of movement after starting the game with Extreme movement, getting anything you want on the offensive end, easy buckets, left and right, good open threes. But no, you stop doing that. You get three happy. You get ISO happy because you think you're all that. And you know what the Heat do? They don't fucking do that. They don't do that at all. They ball move the entire time. They hit back cut actions all the time, splits. They're running off screens on the complete opposite end of where the ball's at. They're constantly moving, constantly in motion. They're going after all these loose balls. They're clamping down on defense to get their transition game going. And it's working for them. And it's working because they constantly move the ball and they're constantly moving their body so they're not predictable. Bam Adebayo, 43 minutes, 18 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds. Now, admittedly, if you're playing 43 minutes and you're basically the starting center, you should have... Way more than six rebounds. But nine assists and you're facilitating 18 points and you come up with the biggest block of the game. I really can't be too mad at you on that. But you need to be better if you're going to win three more games. Jimmy Buckets. 43 minutes. 7 of 14 from the field. 2 or 3 from three-point land. Five rebounds. Five assists. Guarded the shit out of Tatum at the end when it mattered. Hit a big clutch three in the corner when it mattered. Hit a great, great, great contested Drive to the basket for an N1 when it mattered. And then once again, started the game, plotting along, getting his team involved, not looking for a shot too much, not forcing anything, making sure everybody else is getting off, getting their shots. Hero, Robinson, Drogic. And then when it was time to close, he did what Jimmy Butler does. And you know what? That's what the Celtics don't have right now. They don't have that guy. Tatum is not that guy yet, but I think he can be that guy or he can become that guy in the series. And if he does, then I think the Celtics do make my prediction come true and they win. But if he plays like he did the first game and Jimmy plays the way he does, it's going to be a problem. Crowder. Crowder got a little bit of revenge going against the Celtics. So does Kelly Olynyk, but he's not getting enough time for that. But Crowder, remember, he was traded from the Celtics. Didn't want to be traded, but he was traded for Kyrie. 39 minutes, 7 of 11 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3. Another guy who's really not known to be a 3-point threat, but he's really evolved. Over the years, he's worked at it. 5 rebounds, 22 points. Not a bad stat line. Not a bad stat line at all. Gordon Drogic, 
39 minutes, 11 of 19, 3 of 6 from 3-point land, 7 rebounds. He had more rebounds than Bam Adebayo. 4 assists, 29 points. He led the Miami Heat in scoring. This guy continues to get buckets, shooting threes, driving to the hole, going to his left at will, and nobody can stop him. It's fucking impressive. I'm I'm not even I'm gonna keep singing his praises because it's impressive. And he's not a young pup. He's been doing this for a minute. Hell of a trade. Hell of a trade getting him from Phoenix a few years ago. And he looks like he's gonna be one of those Manu Ginobili with the Spurs type of lifers. Like I'm just gonna stay with the Heat and ride this shit out as long as they keep paying me. Cause he's balling and he's got that lefty swag, man. Duncan Robinson, 17 points. They need more from Duncan Robinson. I'll tell you that right off the bat. They, if they're gonna win this series. Duncan Robinson needs to shoot like he's capable of. But 17 points, 2 of 7 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, 6 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist. He's going to keep losing minutes to Tyler Hero if he keeps fucking playing like that. And if he keeps playing like that, I'm going to need everybody to sit the fuck down and stop talking about that these guys are the best backcourt, best shooting backcourt since Clay and Steph. Like, fucking stop. Stop right now. Nor Clay nor Steph ever. In a playoff game, six fucking points on two of seven shooting. Get the fuck out of here. If you're a shooter, shoot. Way more than seven attempts. Duncan Robinson will need more from you if you they're going to do the damn thing. All right? Kelly Olenek, four points off the bench. Tyler Hero, a strong 40 minutes, 12 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists. I'm going to say that shit again. Tyler, I forget that I'm white hero, 40 minutes off your bench. 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 12 points. He's the difference right now. Because if Duncan Robinson's struggling, you can put his ass on the bench, you can come out with Tyler Hero, and that five is a pain in the ass to deal with. The Celtics don't have that with Gordon Hayward. Hayward's still working his way back from an ankle injury. He was upgraded to doubtful for this next game, which is tomorrow. It's going to go 7, y'all. It's going to go seven. I'm still sticking with my prediction right now of the Celtics. But I'm going to tell you what. It's going to be a hell of a series. And it could go either way. And I won't be mad either way. Whoever wins that series, I will be pleasantly happy at that outcome. And I will just be enjoying the great basketball that they are continuing to produce. So I'm going to keep watching that. I think all you guys should as well because it's fantastic basketball. It's fantastic coaching. And... It's just a dogfight, and it's going to be a dogfight game in and game out. Now, to the motherfucking paper champs, the guys who didn't do shit, but swore they did shit, was talking all this shit in the bubble, coming at Dame Dollar, who has put these niggas and sent these niggas home time after time in his career, talking all that yik-yak, going up 3-1, Swearing they were about to face LeBron and make it an all-A series, which I did as well. I said in my last podcast, I thought it was going to happen. Shout out to them blowing a 3-1 lead and having consecutive games of double-digit leads be blown when you have the quote-unquote best clutch player in the game today in Kawhi Leonard and a guy who dubbed himself Playoff P, which I have said repeatedly on my podcast, 
and I'll continue to say this, he may have been playoff P pre-injury with the Pacers when he was playing against the Heat all those series, all those years ago in the Eastern Conference. He is not that dude after destroying his leg in Team USA basketball. He is a fucking shell of himself when it matters the most. He hides from the moment. He is not a clutch player as of yet. He's still got time. He's not old. But he ain't young either. So I need him to stop wearing gold chains with his little fucking Paul George emblem on it. I need him to stop coming out with colorways for his sneaker, which I purchased the recent one. Not that comfortable. Looks good, but not that comfortable. And I need him to get in the lab. I need him to go to a mental therapist or a sports therapist or something and fucking have a breakthrough. Because if he's going to be the guy that he's going to hitch his wagon to with Kawhi Leonard, they're not winning nothing no time soon. Because Kawhi got that clutch gene. He didn't already proved it, even though he didn't come up at all big in Game 7. And we'll get to that in a minute. But my man, Playoff P. 10 points. 2 assists. 4 rebounds. 38 minutes. In a deciding Game 7. And you got the nerve to call yourself motherfucking Playoff P and talk shit about Dame Dollar, who has consistently been a playoff monster the last few years. Really, my man? Really? You ain't do shit? When you was with OKC, you bounce. You go to LA because you want to come home. You playing with Kawhi. You walking around with this swag like you already a champion, like you got a motherfucking ring, and you don't. And now your ass gone fishing. Go on vacation. You can hang out, you can watch the games, but you cannot participate in any more bubble games because your ass just got eliminated and was part of the problem and why your team lost four games or three games in a row. Ouch. Ouch. You're on the wrong side of history. Congratulations. You're not clutch. Patrick Beverly, another knucklehead that loves running his mouth. A guy who's been in the league for forever, Played on a million teams before he finally got a contract with the Clippers. Still doesn't have a fucking jump shot. That's consistent. Can go to the hole every once in a while, but can only hit a wide open layup consistently. Loves to hack and foul. Doesn't like to shave at all. Not his face, not his head, not nothing. The nigga looks like a bum all the fucking time on the court, off the court. As an NBA player, I think that's disgusting. You get paid to look good. You have the money to look good. At the very least, I don't know, look decent? You're probably getting free haircuts at the bubble. All you gotta do is tip. Like, damn, bro. If you're gonna talk shit, look the part. If not, then just shut the fuck up and play good defense. But you can't do that. You couldn't guard nobody. Because you were the littlest nigga on the court with the biggest mouth. And I usually am the littlest nigga on the court with the biggest mouth. But you know what I can do? Play defense. And I'm not in the NBA. So I'm not comparing myself to Patrick Beverly. I wouldn't do that. That would be disrespectful to Patrick Beverly. And also disrespectful to myself. Because I consider myself a clutch player in you know the YMCA leagues. And the, the leagues that really don't matter. Games that really don't count. I don't get paid for that shit. But i tell you what. If it was a game seven. And I had Pat Beverly's height. Now I was playing with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and I was talking all that shit on Twitter. 
I'd have more than 11 points in 30 minutes. When I knew my team was going home, I'll tell you that much. Zubak, who cares? He has six points. He had two rebounds. He's your fucking starting center. Two rebounds, guys. Starting center. Awesome. Morris Sr., who you got midseason, he's supposed to be, what, arguably your fourth best player? Third best player? That sounds like I had a lisp, and I don't. That was weird. That was really weird. But anyway, Marcus Morris, 26 minutes, six rebounds, seven points. Closeout game. Seven points. Good job. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi the Gaunt. Kawhi dubbed better than LeBron. Kawhi dubbed Clutch City. Mr. Do It. Mr. We Got Him. We Got Game. 44 minutes. 6 of 22 from the field. 2 of 7 from 3. 14 points. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George scored a combined 24 points. They grabbed a combined 10 rebounds. And they shelled out eight assists combined. And they played by far the most minutes of anybody on the Clippers. And they were supposed to be your big off-season acquisitions. Take the Clippers to places they've never been before. Etc, etc, etc. And the only fucking place they're taking the Clippers is on vacation. A.K.A. vacation for all you people who are extremely illiterate and don't understand that vacation is literally vacation in Spanish. Which... Shame on you, because everybody took Spanish 1 at some point in American education. The bench, who cares? Harold had 20 points, but most of that shit came in garbage time. He couldn't do anything at all against Jokic after talking wild shit against Jokic and after calling Doncic a bum-ass white boy. So you should stop talking shit about white European players, because white European players just trashed your black ass on national television. I get you out of shape. I'm very sorry about your... Passing in your family. But honestly speaking, if your ass wasn't going to come back in shape, then your ass should have stayed home and not come to the bubble. Or you should have came to the bubble and been doing fucking exercises the entire time and not played until this series. Because you, my friend, were a shell of yourself the entire series. Shit, the entire playoffs. And that shit cost your team a chance to win. But you're not the reason why. That's all Kawhi and Paul George. Mostly Paul George because Kawhi did have a few good games. You know, he can't score 30-something points all the damn time and win the game. Lou Magic City Williams, 7 points, 25 minutes. He was your 6th man of the year a few years ago, consecutively. Harold was also a 6th man of the year. They gave you a combined 27 points. And the regular season, they were giving you a combined 40 points a game. Way to go, guys. Way to go. Doc Rivers, you finna get fired, buddy. You finna get fired. You ain't won a damn thing since the Celtics championship, which means you ain't done a damn thing since KG was on your team and the quarterback of your defense and you had clutch Paul Pierce, the truth, and you had Ray Allen raining down them threes with that beautiful ass form and you had playoff Rondo doing playoff Rondo things. You ain't done a damn thing since then. You had Chris Paul. That team went to shambles, all that talent, shambles. So you're a man that collects really good talent. And this pains me to say this because I love Doc Rivers a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I have a ton of respect for Doc Rivers. But you are a man who can't do shit with talent that is unable to police itself. That Celtics team 
was able to police itself with Garnett and Paul Pierce taking care of the locker room. The Paul Pierce or the Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan thing. There's been many, many a podcast from Matt Barnes to other people about how the chemistry on that team is all type of fucked. You couldn't do it with that team. Now you get this loaded ass team. There's going to be tons of reports that come out. There's already one that came out about Montrez Harrell getting into it with Paul George during a timeout in game two. There's going to be a ton of reports that come out about behind the scenes bullshit in the coming days and weeks. All that means to me is even with a coaching staff that had Tyron Lue, who has a championship, and Sam Cassell, who has championships as a player, you guys could not control that locker room, all those players enough to win one fucking game after being up 3-1 and holding double-digit leads in all those games. You were even up in game seven at half. And then you went to shambles in the third quarter when you're supposed to come out and put the pedal to the metal and just not even make it be a game in game seven. Because you want LeBron, right? You want the Lakers. You want to be king of LA. And what do you do? You fucking stay in the shadow of the Los Angeles Lakers. So shout out to you for being trash and causing my man his job. Because that's going to happen. That's going to be a thing. And I don't know what I just did, Omar, but I think I just broke it. It's not moving. I don't know what I did. But the microphone thing is not going up and down anymore. I'm scared. But anyway, I'm going to keep going. What's not going up and down anymore? The microphone's thingy-majig over here. I don't know. I don't know. I accidentally hit a... I don't know what I did. I just put my hand down and I accidentally hit a button. Hit the I don't think so because this thing's still going. Am I bugging? Look, it's just not... That's not going. Yeah. But that's not going. That's not supposed to go? I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. You're good. Shout out to the Denver Nuggets. Doing a damn thing. Jamal Murray, y'all. Jamal Murray is playing out of his fucking mind. I don't know if it's the shoes. I don't know if it's the whole Bianca Taylor conversation that he had with her family. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to tell you what. The man is balling. The man is clutch. The Nuggets love being down 3-1. It's like they don't even play until the down 3-1, which is amazing. He comes out 45 minutes, 40 points. Also throws in five assists and four rebounds. But I'm going to say that again. 45 minutes, 40 points in a deciding game against two of the best defensive wings in the NBA in Leonard and George, and none of them could stop him. Neither one of them could do shit against him. Pat Beverly, nothing for him. Three dudes who play defense, who are known for their defense, couldn't do shit against this kid. The man was balling. Jokic, you're not going to be impressed with this stat line, but I'm going to tell you what, if you watch the game and you know basketball, he fucking controlled the entire game. He controlled the pace of the game. He didn't let himself get sped up by anything they were trying to do. He plays at his own pace. He does what he wants. He's slow and methodical, but he does the damn job. Jokic, 40 minutes, 22 rebounds, 13 assists, 16 points. The motherfucker had a triple-double and didn't break 20 points and just controlled the entire pace of the game, the flow of the game. Every time they put anybody on him that wasn't Zubek, 
to the post, do what you want with him. When they put Zubek on him, pump fake, draw the foul to get you the fuck out because you're a defensive liability so you can get one of these little guys on me so I can continue to run this entire game. It was super impressive. It was a beautiful thing to watch, and I loved every minute of it. My man Grant, 31 minutes, 14 points, 5 rebounds. Millsap, 6 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. But veteran leadership, played steady, didn't get nervous, wasn't scared to take a big shot, did his job. Gary Harris, played good defense, finished at the rim, 37 minutes, 14 points, 6 rebounds, played fantastic defense. The rest of the bench did pretty much nothing. Michael Porter chipped in seven rebounds in 15 minutes of play. Torrey Craig had six points in 19 minutes. That starting five outplayed the the Clippers. Mike Malone outcoached Doc Rivers. They had more heart. They had more fight. They had more spirit. They wanted to win the motherfucking game. Point blank. They weren't more talented than the Clippers. They knew they weren't supposed to win that series according to everybody. Yet, they got down 3-1 again. And they just said, all right, time to go. Time to ball out. And they did. They balled out. They were down every game after being down 3-1. Every game they could have quit at any point. Said, fuck the bubble. We out. Let's go home and get ready for the next season, which starts in December. But nah. Nah. They did the damn thing. And now the Clippers get to go home and have to deal with social media fucking roasting the shit out of them, which everybody took turns today just coming at their ass, which I think is so stupid because I get you want hot takes. I get you want to be that show that said that thing and all this other bullshit. But you know what? Honestly, these guys didn't deserve the amount of praise that they got Without doing anything. And that's what happens. Because we live in this fucking corny ass society now. Where everybody wants to be the first person to be on your pipe. When they think you're going to be the next fucking best thing. And as soon as you slip up a little bit. They are fucking the complete opposite. And they are shitting on you and burying you like you're a piece of trash. When you didn't even ask for the fucking praise to begin with. But. The Clippers were a bunch of cocky assholes. They carried themselves in a cocky way the whole fucking time. And you know what? When you carry yourself like an arrogant bastard and you don't do shit and have nothing to back it up, then these things happen to you. I'm all about arrogance and confidence. If you can back it up, if there's proof to the pudding, if if you do the damn thing, do the damn thing. But if you don't do the damn thing, shut the fuck up until you've finally done the damn thing. And then you can boast about it. So hopefully this will be a lesson for the Clippers. I think they're going to come back stronger. I don't know what they're going to come back with. That team's going to get blown up. I think they're going to make some changes. They have to make some changes. I don't think Harold comes back. If he does, it's going to be an extremely cheap contract because he cost himself a ton of money with the way he performed. They have one more year to get this thing right because after next year, if they want to, I don't think they will, but if they want to, both Kawhi and Paul George could leave. And I'll tell you what, if they keep shitting on Paul George the way they're shitting on him now, and rightfully so, That's a sensitive dude. I don't care what anybody says. That's a sensitive dude. And he already don't have confidence. I don't think he's going to be able to stay in a big-ass market like L.A. and deal with the fact that he's trash in the clutch. I don't don't see him staying there too much longer if things consistently continue the way they are. So that's going to be interesting to see. I hope Doc doesn't lose his job, but I honestly wouldn't be 
shocked if Boomer's just like, fuck you guys. I'm going to Microsoft the shit out of this and just completely do it a different way. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Clippers. That series is going to be hopefully entertaining between the Lakers and the Nuggets. LeBron is probably somewhere drinking an extremely expensive bottle of wine, laughing his ass off at what just happened to the Clippers. Anthony Davis is probably chomping at the bit to get at Jokic and the rest of the slow-footed-ass defenders that the Nuggets are going to try to throw at him between Jokic and my man Millsap and probably Craig. I think Grant has the best opportunity because of his length to kind of try to stop him enough to give him a chance. But I just don't see it. And nobody, they have nobody for LeBron James. They have nobody for LeBron James. I'm going to say that again. They have absolutely nobody for LeBron James. So bearing an, barring an injury, not bearing, barring an injury, Lakers in five and a pass, maybe six. I'm not disrespecting the Nuggets. It just, it's just an overmatched team. They just don't have, they don't have it. But. If Murray consistently comes to play with 40 points a game and Jokic doesn't get into foul trouble and can get AD into foul trouble and those Lakers reserves don't shoot very well and maybe there's an injury or two or foul trouble here and there, it could get interesting. If it goes to seven games, I'm going with the Nuggets. That's what I will say. If it goes seven, I'm going with the Nuggets because I just think they at that point it's just destiny, man, for them to get to the finals. But it's going to be an interesting series. I'd like Mike Malone way more than I like Frank Vogel when it comes to coaching and being a tactician, etc. But, I mean, you got LeBron James, so I'm not going to go against LeBron even though I don't think he's the greatest player to ever do it. Obviously, Michael Jordan the GOAT forever, but it's going to be interesting. Now, I didn't touch on this last time, and I'm not going to go crazy and talk about the racial implications or racial undertones of this whole Steve Nash thing. All I'm going to say is I like Steve Nash. I think it's a smart hire from the standpoint of he just watched the Warriors, that whole thing play out with KD being there and the success they had and the run they had for five years. He was a special assistant. He was there behind the scenes. He worked closely with Steve Kerr day in and day out. He saw how things were run, how Steve Kerr changed that entire offense as soon as he got the team from Mark Jackson. I like that they kept Jacques Vaughn. I don't like that he's the de facto head coach, so he's just basically a token black man doing... All the work for a white guy who's going to get all the success and praise if they win and not too much of the negativity if they lose because he's a first-year head coach who's never been a head coach and blah, 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 blah. They're going to win 50 games at least because they have fucking KD and Kyrie if Kyrie stays healthy, which is a big, big, big-ass if. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Carol Levert and the rest of that roster because I think Carol Levert deserves his own team, my opinion. Uh, but I don't, I'm don't. i not against Steve Nash hire at all. Do I think there were other qualified people? Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if that's who KD wanted, well, you got KD, right? So you got to do what KD wanted. So it's going to be interesting, but I think pressure's on KD now. Come back off the Achilles. You got the coach you wanted. Well, you got to do what you got to do. You're going to have to get your team to the, at least the Eastern Conference Finals next year. At least. At least, KD. But it's going to be interesting. Anyway, D'Antoni's gone with the Rockets. That's no surprise. Um, what would be a surprise if the rumors are true and he becomes the Philadelphia 76ers head coach. I don't think they need that motherfucker as their head coach at all because he hasn't shown that he can do anything with a center. And unless you're trading Joel Embiid or Horford, you have two centers that need to be centers. They can't be stretch fives. They can't do any of that shit. 
that was shown this year. They are centers. So I don't think there should even be any rumors that he should be the Philadelphia 76ers coach. But if that's the case and it becomes true, shame on you, Philadelphia. Good luck with that shit because you're going to end up with the same result that the Rockets have. I think the Rockets are going to be the Rockets next year. I think Van Gundy would be a great hire or Mark Jackson. I don't think it's going to be enough to get them over the hump because that roster is trash and they have a ton of money committed to six players. I believe they're at like $120-something million for six players, which is fucking crazy. Um, Harden is fantastic, but Westbrook is a terrible contract. He's an untradeable contract. He's owed, I believe, it's like over $120 million over the next three years. Who the fuck is trading for that guy when he can't even shoot in a league where everybody shoots now? So I think they're going to be shambles for the next few years as well as they write out those contracts that they have with Westbrook and Harden. There's a bunch of openings. Coaching positions, the only thing I care about is the Bulls. Realistically, everybody else can pick whoever the fuck they want. It doesn't matter to me. But it is going to be interesting. Game two tomorrow, Celtics Heat. I'm going with the Celtics to even up the series just because I think it's going to go seven. So it's either going to be 1-1 after tomorrow or it'll be 2-0 Heat. And the Celtics will come back and win the next two games. That That's my opinion. Um, that's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. Game one, Lakers-Nuggets on Friday. I'm going with the Lakers. Short turnaround for the Nuggets. So maybe they get them because of the layoff with the Lakers and the Nuggets, you know, Pretty much going right back at it, having the continuity, having the energy, having the confidence to go right at LeBron. That's going to be interesting, but I still think the Lakers in 6-5 most likely. Football is back this Sunday. The U.S. Open in golf. For those of you that watch golf, I love golf. I love playing golf. I love watching golf. U.S. Open starts tomorrow. Tough course. I'm going to go with newly found father. Congratulations, Rory McIlroy. I'm going to go with Rory to win the U.S. Open. That's my guess. <clears throat> That's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. Other than that, man, sports is in full swing. We're getting everything that we want all at once. Shout out to the Big Ten for being a bunch of douchebags and wilting to the demands politically. Of President Trump. They're going to bring their players back. They're going to start their season. At the end of October. I don't know how this is going to go. It doesn't look very good. We've already had postponements. And we just one weekend to college football season. But. Everybody's officially going to be back. Except for the Pac-12 as of right now. We're going to see how this thing goes. I'm kind of disappointed, but I'm happy for the athletes that wanted to play. Obviously, I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. So hopefully, everybody gets through the season safe. There's no major illnesses, no severe spreading of the coronavirus. Hopefully, there's no second shutdown, which I think there will be, personally. But the major highlight is as of October, we will have four out of the five power conferences up and running In college football, we don't know what's going on with college basketball yet, which I'm intrigued about because I love Duke. Duke loves me. We love each other. It's a thing. It's a thing. And yeah, episode 10. We did it. We did it. I know we're not giving you two episodes a week as we usually do, but 
Reality is, niggas got lives. People are making moves out here. You know what I mean? So we can't always give you what you want. But we're giving it to you when we give it to you. You feel me? So show love. Give me them five stars. Don't be a hater. Or be a hater. It's fine. The energy is yours to do with it what you want. But either way, we're going to keep on living. We're going to keep on being successful. Because that's what we do. Shout out to my engineer for making some fantastic mac and cheese today. He did it for the first time. He was nervous. It was good. It had seafood in it. He's going to keep tweaking it. It's going to get better. And eventually, I'll be able to enjoy more of it. Because I don't like to eat pasta and cheese. I ate something at night. It's just not my jam. It's just not my jam. Because I'm a fat dude. And I got to lose weight, yo. Pandemic is over. I ain't got an excuse anymore. Can't be fat. Shout out to all the big bone people, though. Shout out to all the dad bods. Whether you have a kid or not. Own that shit. Fuck it. You got a dad bod? You got a dad bod. Rock with it. I love my dad bod. My wife loves my dad bod. I don't know if she does love my dad bod, obviously. She don't tell me if she doesn't like it. That's probably troubling. But fuck it. If she don't, she don't. I like it. If I like it, that's all that matters to me. Because my mental health is predicated on my ability to love myself. And I love myself. It's important to love yourself, y'all. And that's my rant for today. Shout out to all the people I sponsored. Who though? Did I sponsor? Wawa. Sponsored some Wawa today. Ford dealership. Via my fleet vehicle. Sponsored them today. Shout out to Nike. They got my money. Because I had to get a winter vest. Shout out to Colin Kaepernick by the way. Coming out with the 2.0 version of his all black jersey. Which drops tomorrow. 10am. The sneaker app. Also dropping... As of 12 a.m. today, you can pre-order your uh, PlayStation 5. That's exciting for gamers all out there. Xbox as well. You can pre-order that shit if you're an Xbox guy. I'm a PlayStation guy, so I'll probably be pre-ordering that at some point. <sighs> good shows. Don't got any good shows. Not anything different than the last one, last episode to tell you about, which was Lovecraft Country. And my man, Ted Lasso, the last episode of Ted Lasso was absolutely fantastic. Ted Lasso is the god forever. That character is amazing. Jason Sudeikis, you're the man for coming up with that concept and coming up with all those characters. That show is phenomenal, and I will continue to plug it because it is extremely enjoyable, and it's only 30 minutes. Shout out to Quibi, by the way, releasing a ton of content and still only releasing 7 to 10 minute episodes Daily. Like, who the fuck wants to watch 7 to 10 minutes of an episode? How the fuck do you get into a show when you can only watch un ching of it? That is not good. That is a bad idea. Bad idea. So, whoever's watching Quibi, kudos to you for having that fucking patience. Because I 100% do not. And shout out to all the hot take shows today. First take was hilarious. Max Kellerman did not know what to say. He sounded like an asshole. Stephen A. Smith sounded like Stephen A. Smith. Molly Karam just sat there and laughed the whole time. On Get Up, they had much of the same shit. It's just a bunch of people sucking off the same people. Like Jay Williams, consistently sucking off anything KD does, which all I want to do is throw up, which is why I love Jalen Rose, because Jalen Rose threw shots today inadvertently and just told people, hey, 
I'm not a no player's pocket, so I'm just call it like I see it, and I'm going to tell you when a spade's a spade. And if you're playing like trash, and if you're not playoff P, I'm going to tell you you're not playoff P in your face, which he did. And that's why I fuck with Jalen Rose forever. Besides the fact that he started the whole Black Sox movement and long shorts, part of the Fab Five, that dynasty forever. I love the Fab Five. They are a dynasty in itself because they started a completely different fashion trend and they changed the landscape of college basketball and sports in general with their bravado. So I fucking love the Fat Five. If you've never seen that documentary on ESPN 30 for 30, please go check that out because that shit is fire. And Jalen Rose should get way more props and way more love for being an intelligent man, a hell of a basketball player, a hell of an entrepreneur, and doing a damn thing with his own private school that he did before LeBron James. Just saying. Shout out to Jalen Rose. And shout out to uh, Jalen Jacoby. That's a fantastic pod and a fantastic show on ESPN. They need to give my man Jacoby some more love because he is absolutely dope. And I love that show. But anyway, you already know, episode 10 in the books. As always, to all my listeners out there, everybody in the world, stay blessed, stay safe, Mask up. We out here, y'all.